0: following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How
1: about
0: this, Cowboys? Yeah!
2: This, this is Talkin' Cowboys. Live. Streaming live from the Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the
0: Star in Frisco. Hand-off, Elliott plowing to the goal line. Baird, sacked by Lord. Prescott keeps it, and he bangs it into
2: the touchdown. And now your hosts, Isaiah Standback.
0: It's an off-season edition of Talking Cowboys presented by Geico from the SWBC Mortgage Studios, virtually as always, or at least what it's been like for the past ten months. But we're continuing to break down this Dallas Cowboys team and a lot of breaking news that hit the fans since, uh, well, I guess Friday. But we are technically the first show that gets to talk about it. But we're going to break down an entire coaching search, uh, a coach firing, and really an overhaul in the span of an hour. So, but. Buckle up, ladies and gentlemen, and come along for the ride. We're excited to bring you along with us. Kyle Yeomans alongside Heckma Harrison, Rob Phillips, and Isaiah Stanback. And gentlemen, let's jump right into this. Mike Nolan, as of Friday afternoon, it was uh, officially reported and released that he was let go of his duties as defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. Jim Tom Sulu was also on that list. And really, 12 months almost to the day, that we were hiring Mike McCarthy last year, you turn around and you fire a defensive coordinator initially. Mike Nolan wasn't in Dallas long enough to the fact that if you go and you Google Cowboys defensive coordinator, the first pictures that pop up are Rod Marinelli and Chris Richard. So those are the first the <laughs> first pictures that pop up on Google if you go and Google Cowboys defensive coordinator. But Rob, kind of tell us how this went down and what your thoughts of uh, of the move are for Cowboys Nation. It was a move that wasn't necessarily surprising.
3: No, it, it wasn't, Kyle. And and I know we've had our discussion on the show the last you know couple weeks. Like, what were the chances that he could be back if they continued on an upward trend? defensively and obviously the takeaways went up the last four games of the season I believe they had 12 takeaways which more than double what they had or, or close to it early in the season but they just didn't see enough improvement overall and I, you know I kind of got the sense that by mid December after that Ravens game I think it was pretty clear that they were at least looking hard at making a change and while there was improvement down the stretch The Giants game in the finale last week really was kind of another step backward in terms of yards given up, points given up, uh, big plays given up, and I just quickly looked at the stats during that four-game stretch, guys, where we talked about where they, they made some progress, they felt like they were more comfortable in the scheme, all of that. They still gave up an average of 395 yards in those four games. They won three out of four. Uh, and, and that's and that's that's actually more that's actually more per game than they'd averaged for the season. That was 386. Now the run defense, which is the big one of the biggest reasons why they made the change. And obviously Jim Tom Sewell, D-line coach not back either. They gave up 131 rushing yards in those last four games, 158 average for the season. So, I don't think they saw enough improvement down the stretch, guys, to really make a difference.
2: Heckman Rob, you're so nice, man. I tell you, man, the way that you word it and, and you put it out <laughs> I love I love that. And but you know it, it All of those things, and you talk about the Ravens game actually being the indictment on on him as a coach, and this whole defense from just start to finish, you look at the, if you're going to take the last four games, okay, that's just a sample size, but you go back to games like the Cleveland Browns game where we were just not able to stop anybody, and I think this defense and, yeah, whatever scheme they were playing, two-gap read for the D lineman, the secondary. No one understood uh, this defense at all, and that's where you you had those anonymous sources that leaked reports to, to Jane James Slater, saying that this defensive coordinator staff, well, the staff didn't know what they were ta- what they were doing, mm-hmm. and it just started early. It started early, and you you know, and, and for guys like Jalen Smith, who I could say this is probably one of his worst years as far as you know statistics say that obviously he made a lot of tackles but just the eyeball test was saying that man 54 did not know where he was and you saw a lot of that from guys just trying to freestyle this do it their own way because they were lost uh the whole season and look if you tried you know those those turnovers may have been where people started to talk about okay is he is he is there a chance that he's saving his job but nah, it just it just wasn't enough. We could protect the boundary and we darn sure couldn't stop the run. You no, know, you
1: guys hit it out the park, I mean, pretty much when it comes down to it, it comes down to not allowing teams to score and not giving up yardage. If you give up yardage, you allow teams to be in position to score. So, um, obviously, we didn't do a good job of any of that this year, (laughs) and obviously, the scheme was was not getting across as well. You saw early on, you know, we brought guys in uh, to the the organization that we thought were going to be huge attributes in terms of veterans, and they weren't. Were they not because they weren't good players, or were they not because they didn't fit in his scheme? That's a question that's going to be asked now, right? Maybe those guys weren't good enough players, but... Maybe just his scheme didn't allow for them to be great. So now that's a question that gets raised. And then you start looking at the fact that they now have released a defensive line coach. Well, typically, defensive coordinators, yes. Offensive coordinators, yes. They have to take the fall. However, as soon as you start releasing position coaches, now there's a communication issue. Now there's a connectivity issue. Now there's guys that apparently don't like that particular individual and obviously have an issue with the system. So there's a whole lot of things, obviously, that might be underlying factors as to why these decisions got made. Uh, Rob, you already hit on it. The fact that turnovers, yes, turnovers helped you in terms of potentially helping you save your job. But at the end of the day, the yardage was what killed you. That's what was consistent. That's what never went down.
0: And I think that's what was frustrating about this defense, ultimately, was – You need turnovers to make it go round. You need turnovers to make it work. And through the first 12 weeks of the season, that didn't happen. You didn't have turnovers, except for maybe week eight against Philadelphia. There was not a single moment in that season where you felt like, hey, this is a a momentum-building type of uh, game for this defense. Well, you finally got that down the stretch. But once again, who was it against? It was against Cincinnati, San Francisco, and Philadelphia again. I mean, those are the teams that you force turnovers against. So whenever it comes to the body of work, ultimately it wasn't enough to keep my Mike Nolan around, but Hetma, you alluded to the system and how just complex it was and how different it was. Last year in the offseason, we were excited for change because we were coming off of the, the Marinelli days and coming off of let's let's get scheme players, not the best players type of mentality. And the change happened. We got better players, at least we thought so. Uh, and and we, we put them into a scheme, but the scheme ultimately didn't work. So where do you sit on the fence or where do all three of you guys sit on the fence whenever it comes to scheme versus
2: talent on this Cowboys defense because ultimately neither one of them worked. Well, I mean, I think that the coaches, when they put a game plan together and they have a base that they like to play, they want certain types of guys, whether it be body style or or what have you and previous defenses that they've played in. It just seemed like from the beginning that this defense didn't sink in. And I don't know if it would if these guys had an OTA or preseason, if any of it would have stuck uh, because mm-hmm. of how bad they were Um, Not only bad in the turnover differential, but on third downs, you know, they could not get off the field and there were games out there, the Seattle games, the the Brown games. I keep going back to the Arizona game where, Yeah. yeah, true. You're not getting turnovers. You're not even presenting that pressure where you can get those scoop and score sack strip fumbles, but you're not able to get off the field. And just all of those things were just. Indicators of that this defense was not going to have any success. Whether you know, look, that's that's why I think it's very important that we go ahead and get a hire on our defensive coordinator asap. Because what scheme is that guy going to be looking for? What is he going to want to play? Uh, Is it going to be a one-gap read, two-gap system? What is that going to be? And so, uh, whatever the Cowboys do going forward, they're going to have to get the personnel uh, together to be able to have any success. Because if you look at 2020, man, this. It just wasn't it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I, 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 I think it's a, a great combination of that, heck. And I kind of want to pose a question. Yeah, just imagine if we had our little uh, number two lapices, right? A little, little number two pencils that they give you, right? No no eraser yep. on it, just to, just to cut off little short ones, right? And they gave you yep. a piece of paper, and it had two circles. And it said, do defensive coordinators create turnovers or do personnel create turnovers, mm. right? And I think that's a question that you have to ask yourself, that's right? So when we start talking about, you know, were those, were those turnovers going to save his job potentially? And I think as a general manager, as an owner of an organization, I think you have to look at that and say, I think those are our players that were forcing those turnovers and not so much the scheme. So why should those turnovers save his job? That's a good yeah, one. Yeah, and
3: and the other factor there is your offense played better down the stretch too. You finally got yep. your offense kind of rolling a little bit with a patchwork offensive line and Andy Dalton with some time at quarterback. And when you put up some points, now, now your defense can can pin their ears back a little bit. And it does go back to what Kyle said about the competition. The final four games of the season, competition was not nearly as good as some of the teams they played earlier in the season. Uh, but it is a complex discussion because you, know, you can certainly question the Mike Nolan hire from the beginning and say, well, based on his track record, defenses that he coordinated in the past, did not have a lot of success. Uh, but I do think this was, in in large scope, you know, a, a, a mistake by the organization in terms of, Jerry has spoken of this, trying to implement too much change in a crazy offseason with no in-person off season program. They Jerry said, look, the other day on the fan, that's on me. You know, he signed off on that. And they were, I think, so excited about trying to shift away from those Marinelli years and trying to be a little bit more multiple a little more uh, different pre-snap that they crammed it all in it didn't work and one thing Mike McCarthy spoke to on the fan last week was part of these exit interviews he's getting a lot of feedback on we need to do a better job of our virtual communication that the install was virtual in in the spring and summer you know and then they had three weeks to get on the field and try to put it on the field so it's, it's a complex discussion beyond Mike Dolan didn't do a good job I think there yeah. was a lot of reasons why it didn't work but ultimately he's the defensive coordinator and the final stats are I'm not going to be too nice here Heckma I mean th- the most points allowed in franchise history the second worst run defense in the league and just a gaggle of big plays allowed um, it just something had to change
1: Hey, Rob. Can we go back and look at whatever Cleveland did for their install this past week? Can we go back and just just copy that? that right, yeah, right.
3: And you know what? I, I was going to hit on that. That's a that's a great point. Did you guys see uh, Baker Mayfield's post post game interview last night, where he talked he talked about uh, you know patchwork offensive line, and he said you know this guy stepped up, and there's a guy named. Zach or somebody that I introduced myself to in the locker room pregame, and he stepped in, did a great job at left guard, <laughs> you know, like, that, yeah. now that is the definition of adversity, and that's why you hear it from Team Brass, like, you cannot, you know, stick those COVID excuses for too long, yeah. because other teams have made it work.
0: Yeah. That was another team with a first-year head coach as well and a whole entirely different coaching staff or new coaching staff. And quite possibly, Kevin Stefanski is going to win Coach of the Year. I mean, at least if he doesn't, he should be in that conversation. I think he does end up winning Coach of the Year, but uh, – That's a great point, Rob, because you can make all of these excuses. Excuses are easy. It's always been that way. That's the the cheap man's way out whenever it comes to to mistakes. And I don't think Jerry made excuses on 105.3 The Fan this past week whenever they were talking about kind of the coaching hire and, and, and kind of the season that went along. I don't believe he was necessarily making excuses because there were challenges along the way. But, Isaiah, do you really look at this as maybe the biggest regret that maybe the front office had this past year was hiring a guy like Mike Nolan and trying to switch things up as uh, emphatically as they did going into a year like this? I I say no. I just think it's
1: it's just another guy that they just swung and missed on. Unfortunately, you know, and, and unfortunately that one guy controls everybody else. <laughs> you know, they they swung they, they swung and miss on the safety, obviously, right? They on, on ha Haha they they swung a miss on on freaking uh Poe. I still can't, right? believe, that. I still yeah. can't believe the ha ha. Right. So yeah, so haha, ha, you swung and miss, you know, and Poe swung and miss. And that's strike two. Strike three, dog gone. A defensive coordinator, right? But unfortunately the defensive coordinator has a lot a a greater effect over the result of your defense. So it's just, they just swung and missed this all season, you know, and they have to go back and they have to reevaluate, and see, hey, what, do, what is it that we that we use as analytics as reasons to pick to select somebody? And how
2: can we differ that going forward? Because obviously what we did this year did not work for us you know you guys have heard the the saying hindsight is 2020 you know so you can look S-L-O-R. back and at it <laughs> <laughs> it's <your> so <laughs> uh, it <don't laughs> looks so good right now uh but coming in uh Mike Nolan the higher you know we were talking about his dad and the lineage of coaching and all of that man so you know, it was just a failed attempt at bringing a guy mm-hmm. in that did not have a grasp on the personnel that he had to try and play this over-the-top defense that he was, you know, trying to implement. Look, it the Cowboys right now are in a situation where they have got to figure this out up front to get the personnel that they need to play the style that they want. What is that, right? Are we going to stay in 3-4? Are we going to go to a 4-3? Because if you look around the NFL, if you look at a team like New England, Belichick. Belichick will play whatever defense he needs to beat you. If you had a problem with the 4-3, we're playing 4-3 this week. But you have to have players Mm -hmm. versatile enough and smart enough to be able to play that. Now, I'm not saying that our players were not smart. And willing. I'm just saying we didn't have the guys to play it. So let's not try and make something out of these guys that they aren't. Let's get the guys in here that we need that can actually, we can change these schemes and use words like hybrid as it relates Mm -hmm. to players in the positions that they play. You guys heck, nailed it. Yeah, Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead no, I was just
1: gonna throw one point in there. The one thing I would say I would add to that heck is the guys have to be willing. You know, all those things True. you said were absolutely correct, but you have yeah. to have you have to have the right personnel, the right type of personalities on there, and right character that say, "Hey, I don't care what I normally would do. I don't care how what what type of scheme I would flourish in best. I'm doing this for the greater good of the team." And I don't know if we have all those guys on this team. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, based on those, um, what was it? The, the unnamed sources early in the season, it sounded like there was some pushback, at least somewhere. Um, yep. And then three veterans they parted ways with midseason uh, Worley, Poe, and, and Everson Griffin. But you guys nailed it. Like, that's, that's another part of, of this discussion that makes it kind of complex is the personnel part of it. You know, they, they did, Isaiah, they swung and missed on, on some, some free agents. And they didn't.
0: Multiple guys.
3: Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I think, you know, I disagree with people that say, well, this is the same defense that was middle of the pack last year or the year before with, with Rod Marinelli in charge. I disagree with that because I don't think, you know, I think they missed Byron Jones. I think they yep. missed Malik Collins in the middle of the defensive line, especially, and you have to factor injuries. You know, you lose Tristan Hill, you lose uh, Jerome McCoy in camp. Yep. They could have used Jeff Heath at safety. They could, they definitely could have used Jeff Heath at safety this year. Uh, those positions were not filled adequately, and you had some injuries on top of it, and then you had whatever, confusion. Um, Disconnect with the scheme itself. It was just kind of like a perfect storm. Of the result is one of the worst defenses the Cowboys have ever had statistically.
0: When you talk about the guys not having the right guys, I I think that's a a great point because I think one of those right guys was Byron Jones, and I think that's the biggest loss from last year to 2020 was was not having Byron Jones because even though he didn't have the interceptions, everyone's going to look at the interceptions and say he didn't have the picks. I don't want to hear that because he locked down 33% of your field, so that way well, 10 other guys had to, to fill the rest of the 67% of the rest of the field. Two-thirds of the field were where 10 guys were, and then one took care of a third of the field. And that's exactly what Byron Jones did, and you didn't have that out there this year. But outside of the personnel, Rob, do you feel like Mike Nolan got a fair shot? From his first year and his only year in Dallas, because like you said, you could have questioned the hiring from the beginning. So he got a shot, but was it a fair one? Uh
3: yeah. I mean, I, I think so. You had <laughs> you had a full season to try to put it together. I, I think you know, we, as we mentioned earlier, the, the the COVID excuse lasts for a certain amount of time. But when you see other teams having success, and I and I think the Cowboys officials have said this you know at a certain point you can't you can't use it as an excuse and um i i i I don't say it's an unfair shot i do say there are other reasons besides mike nolan for why this didn't work um Mm -hmm. and and look and i'm this is it's a really good front office that does a great job of evaluating talent uh but there you know there's some moves they made that didn't work out that didn't help help matters now would would mike nolan have had more success with a full offseason to implement his program, I have no doubt about that. But this is the way the world is right now, and something had to change. And the other part of it, too, is we're going to find out what the salary cap is. Odds are they're not going to have a lot of room to make a bunch of big changes to upgrade personnel. So what do you need to do? Then you probably need to get a new voice. If you're going to change something, get a new voice, new scheme, whatever you need to do to try to make the players that you do have better.
1: Isaiah? I'm still laughing at Rob wanting to say something nice Rob was like, eh, yeah no. Uh, <laughs> never mind."
3: <laughs> I always try, but I yeah, you can't. You can't.
0: Uh re- <laughs> Kyle, repeat the question for me. Man. Rob threw so, me off. So, yeah, that's uh, that's funny. It did Mike Nolan get a fair shot in his one okay. year in Dallas? Uh
1: fair is such a uh, subjective term. Fair. Um so yes, fair. Yes, absolutely. They, he, he he had all the resources he had. Uh, all the opportunity, all the support, um, and he had talent to work with initially. Boom, a fair shot. Get in there, you try to get your system in. Everybody had the same opportunity to try to, um, you know, teach their system via virtual uh, this year. But um, then guess what? The guys that he brought in, you know, along with Will McClay and everybody else, guess what? They didn't work out. They didn't work out. Your, your guys that you had your mark on did not work. As a defensive coordinator, you have say in the type of players that you want. And you can best believe that he went up to Will McClay, went up to Mr. Jones and said, Hey, I want Griffin. I want Poe. I like Worley. These guys work for what I'm going to try to do. They, they, they definitely, they definitely talked to him about that. So you can best believe that he had a part in that. So guess what? He swung a miss on those personnel. Then he had injuries. Crap. Guess what? Injuries suck. They suck, right? Uh, they suck for the players. They suck for the for the guy for for the, for the uh, defensive coordinators that are out there trying to figure things out. So, but as a defensive coordinator, guess what? You have to adapt. You have to adapt. You just talk, heck me. You just talked about Coach Belichick, king of, of adaptation, right? He just figures it out. He doesn't care whatever personnel he has. he got his butt kicked this year. But dude, guess what? He had what ten or eleven starters that decided to to sit out this year. right but guess what you still play competitive ball you still figure out a way to go out there and try to put your best foot forward and and the other note is he was uh, coach Nolan was unable to convince his guys to play for him yeah and that's just a respect factor guys play for people that they respect were we in a locker room not at all were we at practice this year not at all right but for whatever reason there was a disconnect there and at no point At no point did it seem like these guys were playing for their coach. And you could take that same correlation and look at other teams, and it appears at certain times, most times, they are playing for their coaches. Um, Last night was a perfect example for Cleveland. Cleveland come out and busted Pittsburgh in the mouth. Their coach wasn't even there. Wasn't even there. You could best believe they were playing for their coach. You could see the difference. Heckma.
2: Like 60 years of cowboy football and (laughs) Mike Nolan's defense gave up the most points and second most yards, heads were going to roll. You knew it. I mean, and I don't mean to say that, but I mean, because coaches have families and it's, you know, I'm, I know all too well that, that, that you know, you don't want to see guys have to uproot their whole families and, and things in this situation. Yep. But something had to give. And for the historic numbers that this defense put up, there was no way they were going to bring him back. And it didn't matter. Aside from making a, a playoff run. That, I mean, and they had to make a sig- significant playoff run uh, for him to keep his job. But, but, yeah, the numbers and the writing was on the wall, especially, like you said, Rob, after the Ravens game.
3: And the other part of it, too, is looking forward, you know, we talk about the challenges of a virtual offseason it's quite possibly could be the same situation by the time we get to to april we'll, we'll see i mean god no reference that no, he, he, no well, i hate to break bread bad, bad <laughs> news true. he referenced that last week that that it's you know we've got to improve that part of our off-season training in the event that we have to keep doing that so they yeah. did not do well with that last year and so that's going to be a challenge for the next defensive coordinator whoever that is and we'll get into that uh soon kyle
0: Yeah, and I feel like we all learned a lesson in the point of let's not throw a party until we know a free agent's going to work out. Because Everson Griffin, (laughs) like we said, and HaHa Clinton Dix, and Dontari Poe, and Brandon Carr, I mean, there were so many different signings that we were like, yeah, this is going to be great. We're going to go win a Super Bowl because we finally have a defense. No. No, no, didn't work out because, uh, hey, everything is great until you put it on the field, and then you got to actually play the game, and that's why they do end up playing the games. Now, I want to take a moment here before our first break to give a special shout-out to one of our favorite Talking Cowboys listeners. and uh, All of you who listen to Talking Cowboys are our favorite listeners, but John Nelson is a favorite because he listens across the pond. He's out in the U.K. listening hey. to us, and he's a huge Cowboys fan, big Liverpool fan. He likes LSU as well i don't know dave hellman somewhere is smiling along Rainwashed the way him. yeah I, I don't know yeah. but john nelson uh happy birthday it is his birthday today and he wanted a shout out so we're going to give you a talking cowboys shout out because you've always been super supportive of us and we love yep. all our talking cowboys fans so quick shout out to john nelson when we come back though <laughs> here on talking cowboys
2: for us Yes. Yeah, there
0: you go. There you go. When we come back here on Talking Cowboys, who is the favorite to replace Mike Nolan as the defensive coordinator? We've got seven names for you to oh, talk about seven. coming up on the other seven. side of the break. We'll be right back here on Talking Cowboys.
4: There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why SLR pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and resolve for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson Hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys, and your favorite football team.
0: Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day... It's Talking Cowboys Offseason Edition number 1 here from the virtual SWBC Mortgage Studios and whether you're watching from home or you're cheering in the stands with Essilor Lenses you can see every exciting play. Book an appointment at your local Essilor experts and see what Essilor can do for you. See more do more Essilor. Isaiah Stanback, as always. Rob Phillips, Heckma Harrison. I'm Kyle Yeomans. As we head into <laughs> our second segment here of our off-season edition of Talking Cowboys, here's the good news. So you don't necessarily get Talking Cowboys every day, and I hate that for everybody. That's a big, frowny face all the way through because of the off-season. However, instead of having a 45-minute show, you get an hour worth of Talking Cowboys to listen to. Hey. So that's always fun. That's Yo. a big thumbs up. We get an hour-long show, so we are just, uh, we're about halfway through here on this Monday morning. But, of course, we're talking about the defensive coordinator and Mike Nolan out after one year as the defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. And there's already been reports and quickly moving processes whenever you talk about hiring a new defensive coordinator. And that's kind of what it needs to be whenever uh, the Dallas Cowboys fire a defensive coordinator. You need to hire one pretty quick. Well, I've got... Seven names that could potentially be the next defensive coordinator as, uh, of the Dallas Cowboys. Now, there have been two that have been really rumored around interviews and one that is apparently flying in, Rob, and that's Dan Quinn. Tell me about what the latest updates are around Dan Quinn, the former head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, and what is the potential with him coming in? I want to hear these other six names. Yeah. Okay, you want the six first?
3: Yes. You want the six
0: first? Okay, so I'll go down the list. Dan Quinn is number one, and I think that's the most likely option. Number two on that list is George Edwards. Number three, Matt Patricia. Number four, Joe Barry. Gus Bradley is my fifth name. Ooh, ooh. Winston Moss is the sixth name. Actually, I miscounted. I only have six names. So I thought I had seven, but I have ooh. six. So that's disappointing. How about this? I'll throw Isaiah Stan back in there. That's hey, the hey. <laughs>
4: That'll be the seventh name. You're welcome, everybody. So
0: seven names to replace uh, Mike Nolan as as defensive coordinator. So Dan Quinn, George Edwards, Matt Patricia, Joe Barry, Winston Moss, and Gus Bradley. And if it's none of those names, I will. Uh, I'll. I don't know. I'll. Don't I, do um, it, Kyle. I'm not going to make another bet. I don't, I've okay. already gotten in trouble you going to run to the before.
3: star? Well, I'm not going to run
0: to the star and back. That's not okay. going to happen if something else happens there. But <laughs> tell me about Dan Quinn, Rob Phillips. Well, you, there's two names that you didn't
3: have on your list that the Cowboys have actually talked to already, and that's mm. Joe, uh, Joe Witt Jr.
0: and Jason. Oh, that Smith. was the other name that I forgot to write, write down.
3: Both of them. Former, yeah. former Green Bay both of whom worked with Mike McCarthy on his staff in Green Bay. They are currently yes. the pass, passing game coordinators slash secondary coaches, Joe Witt in Atlanta, Jason Simmons in Carolina. Mm-hmm. So, yep. obviously, there's familiarity there. That's always important. Uh, but with Dan Quinn flying in, according to reports, I mean, that's that's a pretty good sign there's, there's good interest on both sides. And so um, – whether that gets done we'll see but at this point i would have to assume he's the leading candidate um and based on resume he probably should be you know i I mean a former head coach and by the way mike mccarthy's there's a pattern there whether it's intentional or not he has hired former head coaches as his defensive coordinators in the past it was dom capers for many years in green bay it was mike nolan last year yeah and uh and i've seen him on the on list too um just kind of guessing at, at who he might go to here but quinn i mean his resume speaks for itself guys i mean he's been to a super bowl as a head coach he's been to two super bowls as a defensive coordinator and arguably was the defensive coordinator for one of the top i don't know isaiah three four defenses that we've ever seen with the league ever of yeah ever <laughs>
1: Yeah, now, Dan Quinn's a good dude, man. He's a he's a good dude. Uh, Gus Bradley, obviously, I have favoritism towards both of those guys because I've obviously been with both yeah. of those guys at, at any given point in time. Uh, Gus Bradley was actually my head coach when I was down with, with Jacksonville. He was a defensive coordinator when I was with Seattle. Both of those guys are great, high-energy uh, individuals. They're all about positive energy. They're all about competition. Um, there is no favoritism at all. You earn your keep. Um, every day, they're going to bring more fire than you bring to the job. Um, it's a it's a positive work environment. And it, it, they're, they're both just awesome. And they're both creative. Uh, they're both very creative. There, They adapt very well. It's not like they're stuck in their ways. They they learn on the go. They adapt on the go. They adjust to their personnel. One thing that they both do really well is they put their guys in position to be successful. Guess what? If you're if you're think about like a Bruce Irvin, if you're Bruce Irvin, you're an undersized. You're an undersized defensive end. But guess what? You can get to the quarterback. Guess what? You are. You're a dog on defensive end. You're not a linebacker today. You play DN because we need you to get there. We need you to get home. We don't care what what the stats say. What it says you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be this big, and you're supposed to have this much weight. We don't care as long as you can do your job and do it effectively and bring energy to this team and help help everybody else do their job well. Then guess what? I have a role for you on this squad. So that's what both of those guys bring, um, and I'll be excited if either. One- one of those guys are coming in
2: you know I really I I really don't have a problem with it the potential of a Dan Quinn hire it's just Mm -hmm. you know when I look at his coaching history 2013 with the Seahawks man he inherited one hell of a secondary uh Mm -hmm. for the Legion of Boom I mean he inherited some dogs I mean yeah you better have some positive energy you got Earl Sherm Cam. I, I mean, you know, it's kind of hard to come to work upset when you got that many goons in your meeting room. Right. So uh, and also going back to him as a head coach, I think just the wheels fell off of his uh, of, of the team once they lost the Super Bowl to Tom Brady in the fashion that they did. So let's talk about it. Right. Um, also, the numbers in Atlanta, their passing defense is worse than ours. So Okay. Uh, I mean, look, I I think that's cool. Like, I understand hiring head coaches and, and all of that. But, you know, I think that this team, I think that when you look at coaching in general, going with these names is all right. But this defense needs a shot in the arm. We need someone to come in here with that energy, youthful energy to get these guys up for it. And Dan Quinn may be a master at getting guys in position uh, to do what they do best, but what if you inherit a bunch of guys are that 25% of them just can't play? All right? So uh, let's just <laughs> – I mean, come on. I just like I don't want to be the Debbie Downer uh, in this whole conversation, but I, 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 no. just believe, I just believe that right now, if you're talking about a Jason Simmons, uh, a guy that right now is, is, is a secondary coach, Uh, The guy that that is a name that is rising amongst amongst future Mm -hmm. defensive coordinators. You have guys like Raheem Morris that's out there. And also on staff, you have George Edwards, a guy that is known, that has that same kind of pedigree that you're flying guys in for. And let's just throw a wild card name out here. A guy by the name of Scott McCurley. He's your linebacker coach. He's a guy that Mm -hmm. comes from the Don Capers defensive school of thought. He is a guy that Dom Capers, if you don't know, he an aggressive 3-4 caller. Like, there are people out there, there are names out there besides those household names that we just want to go to uh, to just so, say that these guys are going to be the next up. That's it. You want, You want a young guy. You want... Kellen, do. you want the two coordinators to combined yep. have Mike Nolan's age potentially? I, 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 you know, and I do, and I think if you if you look at the Stefanskis, if you look at the Stefanskis of the world, the uh, Los Angeles head coach, those young guys they get an opportunity to, to inject their imprint on their team. At some point, we just can't go through this whole, oh, you got a name so you could come in and be a coach. No, man, let's, let's try something different here. And maybe that try something different isn't the mantra for a lot of these coaches, but at some point, Scott McCurley has to get an opportunity uh, to be a defensive coordinator he's put the, he's put the work in.
3: Hey, heck, that's interesting because just on my list, it's my list, but I, Marvin Lewis was a, a guy that I'm thinking, mm-hmm. man, you know, great resume, interviewed for the head coaching job a year ago. I think he's getting some head coaching interest, though, from Detroit. But, I mean, he's obviously a really, really good coach. Yes. Um, and you mentioned, you mentioned George Edwards, and it's my understanding that, that Mike McCarthy has planned to talk to him as well. And he's mm-hmm. on Kyle's list, and uh, maybe he already did. You know, maybe, maybe they already had an in-house discussion. So, and he's, you know, he comes from a Mike Zimmer program, and, and uh, we obviously think a lot of Mike Zimmer. So that's that's another good name, too.
0: Now, Heckma, you, you bring up a good point, and I'm glad you kind of played Devil's, uh, Devil's Advocate here because I, I like the Dan Quinn signing. I mean, there's, there's part of me... That that thinks he could, I mean, you said he's flying in, he could jump out of the back of the plane like you're in Call of Duty Warzone, dropping in really hot, going straight into Superstore. But there's another part of me that is a little bit of a tap the brakes sort of guy, because I think there's there's, whenever you look at his time in Atlanta specifically, what were the Falcons known for? They were known for offense. They were known for Julio Jones and Matt Ryan and, uh, and and the running backs, and and they had a lot of success on offense. But it wasn't their defense that was really the the identity. And that's what kind of scares me a little bit. Is he inherited the Seattle defense? Then he goes to Atlanta, and those defenses weren't anything to write home about. Does that scare you at the the same level that it scares me as? Because. I think Dan Quinn would be a great hire, but there is still kind of that that uncertainty that we might have had about, let's say, a Mike Nolan a year ago.
2: Um, I'm right there, and that's what I'm saying. If you have Xavier Woods is a far cry from Earl Thomas. so. It's it's all good when you get players like that, but the evaluation for Dan Quinn, if he is the defensive coordinator, is going to start immediately. And not only that, he's going to have to – it's going to be a bloodletting on some of these positions because he's going to recognize that this guy just can't get it done. Don't matter if it's two gap, one gap, cover four, cover three, can't get it done. So that's, that's, that's where my – for me, like I said, I, I just want – a defensive coordinator that can get these guys' attention, get the personnel that he needs to be successful. Because right now we we just don't have it. That's that's yeah. it, man.
0: Isaiah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I I hear you, heck, and I respect I respect your point of view. Um, like I said, I, I can only speak to those two it individuals like that I've no sounds no like, I just sounds like I you're just,
0: setting up just to like tear no sit down no like, set I, up.
1: I, I really do everything I,
0: think you I do a great job I, and
1: then, I, bang, but I'm I'm digesting everything that you're saying heck and and everything that you're saying is the exact reasons why I would go with a Gus Bradley or a Dan Quinn simply because I like I, like I said I personally experience the energy I've personally experienced the the confidence that they instill into young players um how they build up guys from the ground up. And yes, he, he may have inherited some some talent, of course, but those guys didn't walk in just amazing. Not all those guys didn't just walk in amazing. I saw some of those guys' growth from when they first walked in the door to the time that he built up their confidence, right? He was the first one getting up there, giving them a chest bump on the sideline in practice, right? While the DJ's playing music at practice. You know what I'm saying? Building those guys' confidence up, working so he on their communication. That absolutely both of those guys okay. bring that energy Gus Bradley has energy out the wazoo I don't know where he gets it from right but both of those guys I like I said I have seen it and I and I know what they do and I know what they do with young secondaries right especially young secondaries but then I also see how they have fun just in practice and how they create this culture we talked about the lack of culture that our that our that our entire organization has right now both of those guys bring a culture and then you talk about you know uh, those guys's lack of um Lack of success on defense in in in, uh, in Atlanta. Well, to my knowledge, Raheem Morris was calling the plays last year in Atlanta, right? So it's kind of like it's kind of like us, you know, indicting you know Coach McCarthy with with our offensive woes when there's really Kellen Moore calling the plays, right? So we have to look at that if that. I mean, you know, from from that from that glass half full of side of things as well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but and you Isaiah, don't let Coach McCarthy off the hook for what's going on either, Isaiah. Yeah. No, no, not
1: no, absolutely right. No, no, the head coach lets stuff come through, or they don't allow things to come through. But they obviously, in both situations, they weren't making the calls, right? They, they weren't making the calls. So that's all I'm saying. looking at it from that from that and, uh, standpoint.
3: And Isaiah, you were there with him. Correct me if I'm wrong. 09 in Seattle with, with uh, I was, was there.
1: Yeah. Well, no, I came in uh, 2000. Yeah, nine ten. year 10, 9, 10, 2010. 10, yeah, gotcha.
3: and that was. I mean, that was before they were the Legion of Boom. Really, absolutely. You know, that's so, when they, those guys first came in. I mean, I I hear you guys, Kyle and Heck. I mean, I you got to have players. You have. I mean, it's a players' yep. league. There's no question about it. Um, but I do think, I do think he's probably willing to adapt his scheme to what he has on the field because. Mm-hmm you know in Seattle they were kind of just a 4-3 defense they played it up pretty straight up because they had the talent to you know where they didn't have to do a lot of crazy stuff they did more of that in Atlanta because they didn't have Earl Thomas and Chancellor and uh, Bruce Irvin and Michael Bennett and all the guys you mentioned so I would imagine he'd be more adaptable I just think from a resume standpoint he's as good as anybody that's out there you know
0: well, he's yeah. the one with Super Bowl pedigree on those on the, the resumes. I mean, you look at even Gus Edwards, he doesn't have Super Bowl pedigree. He, played, he was with the Bills for a little bit, then he was with the Vikings, he was with Washington before all of that. Never even got close or really even sniffed uh, uh, the Super Bowl pedigree that Dan Quinn has brought to the table in terms of his resume. So, I mean, there's there's positives and negatives for any candidate out there. You just got to figure out which ones Absolutely. outweigh which, and I think that's what uh, the, the front office is doing right now. Now, Rob, kind of clarify this for me. I know Last year, Mike McCarthy had a ton of say as to who his staff was going to be. It was a McCarthy-made staff. Is it the same this year, uh, or is there going to be a little bit more input maybe from the front office, a little more oversight after what happened a year ago?
3: Um, I I think it's, I, yeah. I mean, I I think there's going to be a, probably a collective decision here, but I think I think ultimately, uh, the Joneses are still. Going to let Mike McCarthy make a decision on ultimately who he thinks the best candidate is for his staff. I really, I really believe that. I think. Um, why why are you guys laugh? What, <laughs> what, what did I do? Go. On. Are you guys saying that, that Nolan was too much of a like a buddy hire?
1: Is that is no? That- I'm I'm all I have is dig my tail in my head right now. <laughs> Not so fast, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, I, uh, that's
0: that's Lee Corso.
1: Yeah, sorry, Lee Lee Corso. Yeah, was, sorry, yeah, Lee, Lee Corso my fault. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I don't I don't think that they're going to give him the full full control like they did this past offseason. I think they really wanted to respect him um, as a veteran, you know, established, you know, coach in this league. Head coach and you know Super Bowl winning coach. I I think that they wanted to give him that right. Hey, let's you know we're the Joneses. We're gonna step back and let you do you. There we don't typically do this, but we're gonna let you do you. And now they're like, oh whoa, whoa, whoa hold on, hold on, whoa, hold, up, on up. Whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. Listen now, now they're not gonna pull a full Houston Texans and and just disregard him like they disregarded Deshaun Watson. Yeah, that's, why, what why, that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they're not gonna they're not gonna yeah. do that. Um, but I think that they are going to go with the people with the guys that they feel are the strongest candidates and then come to coach and be like so what do you think
3: I the reason why I I hesitate there is because I think over the weekend because the reports were Jason Simmons and Joe who had been with him in Green Bay it's like Mike don't just hire who you worked with in the past well Mm -hmm. I mean number one that's not really accurate i mean look and sometimes it works out great joe philbin was a trusted assistant for mike mccarthy in green bay for years and he was probably the best assistant coach they had last year in terms of the job he did <laughs> yeah, uh arguably and he is and look he he came in here let kellen moore continue to call plays he hired guys outside of his tree on other positions on the staff john fossil um others so i you know i I, I I cap the brakes on that. That's all he does. Is, is, is I guess what I'm saying here.
2: Eckman. Yeah, I want him to cast a wider net. I, I want. That's what I want. Okay. I want him to look at some guys. There are some up some up and coming coaches that can be looked at as well. But we don't know the whole involvement on whether the Jones, you know, the Jones family is vetoing every guy that he brings in, and if he has to get a larger uh, list of guys. So whichever it is at this point we have to get a defensive coordinator in here pretty fast because this is the musical chair time in the NFL anyway. Everybody's interviewing for positions, head coaching jobs, et cetera. And, you know, wait, just going back to this, you know, the coaching tree, you know, I, I look at the coaching tree of like Bill Parcells and all of the guys, they, Sean Payton, Belichick, all of the coaches. that, and, and I think everyone's trying to emulate or get in, in the line of, certain coaching trees, but it doesn't always work. It doesn't always work. And the defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys is going, we want to play an aggressive style of defense. We have the person with the guys up front, our edge rushers, guys to, to come after them. We can't sit back and put our one technique in and pass coverage, <laughs> you know, we got to get down with this thing and make it, it look and have something that sim- that looks something like a defense. Last year, 2020, just throw all of that away. It didn't matter the last four games, the turnovers, none of it, because it was garbage. The yardage, the, the rushing, I mean, it turned into a track meet. It was a track meet, okay? So your buddies aren't helping you. And if you want to save your job, if you if this is what you're in it for to win a championship. You're going to have to get somebody in here that that can coach this up, because it ain't happening. (laughs)
1: Hey, I'll tell you right now. Hey, I can tell you right now. If I had Gilbert Brown as my one technique, I'm dropping him off in coverage. I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm dropping him off in coverage.
0: All 380 pounds? All 380 pounds. Not Gilbert Brown, please. That'd be the last person. (laughs) Uh, anybody interested in Chris Richard here? I, I was just thinking that. I was just thinking that. Chris Richard? Yeah, he t- he took
1: a year off. Obviously, uh, I think you throw his name in the hat. But again, he comes from that from that Seahawks tree, right? I mean, that, that that'll be three three guys from the Seahawks from Pete Carroll's lineage now. Right? So let's just go get uh, Pete Carroll. It's just pretty much Pete Carroll. Go get the, the new Belichick. Is that what it is? Uh, no, shoot. I know. I know. Trust me. Uh, I don't know anymore, but, man. After last week. Uh, but no, I mean you have to look at everybody. And, and, and to Heck's point, I, if I, if you're if you're Mr. Jones, Heck, and I, I hear you, I hear you. You want a young buck. You want a spring chicken that 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 nobody really knows about, an up and coming, right? A sleeper. A sleeper. But if you're Mr., If you're Mr. Jones right now, can you afford to do that swing and miss? Can't, can you do that? Yeah, that's kind of anyway. where I am too.
2: You're missing, I, I anyway. but,
1: you, but, but but you but, can't. But, but, you can't miss this time. You can't. you can't. Yeah, you can't miss on a guy that's unproven. It's one thing but, to miss on somebody who, who's. And I'm, I'm just saying. I, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm saying it's one thing to swing and miss on somebody who's proven in this league versus some yeah. swinging and missing on somebody that point. you were hopeful for. Huh. Those are two different swing and misses. Two totally. Huh. Because you could just you could justify one. This guy's been a head coach. This guy's won a Super Bowl. You just that's the reason why you brought this head coach in, right? Yeah. Or you can go with the hey, this guy was an assistant to such and such assistant, and he's up and coming. He has great energy. Guys are talking positive about him in the organization. Let's go with him. You can't, yeah. that's not enough to lean on. Right? Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I'm not saying that those guys aren't worthy. I'm just saying if you're Mr. Jones, you can't afford to swing and miss on somebody who's unproven. Now how, one how difference
3: does, would be one one difference okay. would be, Heck, to your point, to your point, is Joe Witt and And Jason Simmons, Mike McCarthy has seen them work. he He yeah. knows them very, very well. So there's a difference there than maybe hiring a guy who's you know thirty years old, who you, you never worked with, but becomes highly recommended or whatever. <laughs>
2: How does things ever change? You know, it's it's ingenuity. You have to find a better way to do things. I, mean, I hear you. And Sean McVay, Sean McVay in, in Los Angeles, he wasn't a household name, but he is now. And someone took an someone took an opportunity on him. And so, when do we I do agree. that? Because I tell you what, uh, I I don't understand these guys that fill their way to success like Dan. You know, the Dan Quinn's of the world. I mean, you you just got fired, bro. Your your mm-hmm. your defense was last in passing, and, and I I know we. put this on Raheem Morris but he's at the helm of all of that so you're supposed to be the defensive guru right so Mm -hmm. I'm just saying sometimes you have to look outside of the box and maybe that's the thing that changes or changes the trajectory of your success as an organization that's all I agree. And, and
0: Sean McVay is an extreme case. I don't know if you can compare any young head coach or any young young coach period to a Sean McVay because that was a special yeah, case, a- something that worked out GM. perfectly. And right now, I'm <laughs> past the point, and maybe this is because of Kellen Moore, but I'm past the point being the Dallas Cowboys, and having one of your three most important positions on your coaching staff learning on the job. Yeah. That's what I'm scared of. I'm, I'm scared of having another learning on the job moment. And I, I get wanting to change things up. I really do. And, and maybe you have to. And, and that's where maybe your position coaches and your your special uh, – Analysts and things like that come in. But I think if you're gonna swing at a, a defensive coordinator, you need to swing at someone with pedigree. Maybe that's Dan Quinn, maybe that's hey, somebody else along Mike the Nolan, way. I'm not saying Mike it has Nolan to be gave
2: Dan up Quinn. more points than any coach in <laughs> 60 years. Mike Nolan good pedigree. You didn't even have a bat in your hand. Hey, Mike you
0: know. Nolan didn't have a good resume or nearly as good of a resume as a Dan Quinn did. Okay. Yeah. Not
2: nearly.
1: Hey Heckman, but, would you, hey, Heckman, what would be your sentiments if they just said, Sean Lee is the defensive coordinator of the Dallas
2: Cowboys? Oh, my gosh. That's not what I'm talking about, Isaiah. Don't pay for nice <laughs> I just asked the question. Okay, that's not what I'm doing. I just asked the question. I just asked no, fit, hey, the fits the criteria. Sean Lee would fit the criteria. He's only 34,
1: <laughs> Heck. heck, heck know, he's heck, only 34. You know, <laughs> Sean Lee, you know who he is. But you know his work ethic. That. You know how smart
2: he is. So you know this Guys, guy. Guys, that's not. No. You're evil, and that's not what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs>
0: so. Oh, I love it. I love it. Heckman's so flustered, and that's when I—that's when I have the most fun on this show. All right, we're going to step aside. When we come back, we're going to talk about one of the best mic drops in the NFL's history, and then also we may give you a cheat sheet on free agents, and we might talk about the coaching staff a little bit more. We'll figure it out. When we come back here on Talking Cowboys, presented by Geico, <laughs> we're back treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here.
3: A new combo that's music to my ears. Okay, let's play.
4: Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice.
0: Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda.
4: A delicious way.
0: back here for the final segment of Talking Cowboys presented by Geico here on this Monday morning and whether you're uh, listening to music while you work out or of course listening to us here on Talking Cowboys, you can experience audio at a whole new level with Bose Quiet Comfort Earbuds. Bose Quiet Comfort Earbuds are the official earbuds of the Dallas Cowboys. Welcome back in. Final segment here, Heckma. Rocking those Bose Quiet Comfort Earbuds as always, but uh wanted to kind of go into a moment that happened yesterday in the NFL playoffs and Jimmy Graham tied in for the uh, the Chicago Bears, excuse me, in what could be his final season and maybe his final catch of his career had one of the best mic drops I might have ever seen in the NFL. He goes over the middle, it's the final play of the game, Chicago's already losing and New Orleans has wrapped this thing up. And he goes over the middle and he makes a fantastic one-handed grab. I believe we have the clip here uh, of Jimmy Graham going across the middle and going into it. But uh, does it have audio, Chris? Does this have audio on it? No clip? Okay, yeah. Let's go and roll that clip. It's rolling right now. Okay, cool. So whenever you look at this, he makes the grab one-handed, touchdown, time's expired. He continues and just runs straight into the tunnel just runs straight into it kind of i mean Randy Moss is it i mean go straight up the tunnel uh just a, a fun way to say goodbye to Jimmy Graham who of course had his career in New Orleans but Isaiah as somebody who has played in the league and had some mic drop moments yourself is this the best mic drop you've ever seen
1: It's pretty doggone good man that's a heck of a catch and obviously is it you know garbage time but if that is his career inning catch man Hey, hats off to you. I know he had a bumpy, a bumpy road in terms of his career, but I think he's he's pretty doggone well respected around here. So um, if that's how you send it off, man, then shoot, put that on replay, <laughs> put in a doggone case, and just roll it over. He should have kept the ball though. He should have kept.
0: The yeah, ball. I don't know why he, he dropped the ball. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That was
1: probably guess that was the mic. You know, that was the mic drop. But but oh, that was the
0: drop of the mic. Yeah, uh, Rob. I mean, I know you've gotten to cover Jimmy Graham before and kind of his career. I mean, is he one of the better tight ends in NFL history?
3: Yeah, I mean, I'd, I've watched a lot of Saints football just because that's who I grew up pulling for mm-hmm. uh, through family and stuff. So, yeah, he's an amazing tight end. He's he's one of the tight ends that kind of changed the game in a way, uh, along with – or, or kind of kept it going in terms of what, you know, Tony Gonzalez and Jason Witten did, a different type of tight end. Gronkowski, um, best mic drop I've ever seen in any sport, when Damian, Damian Lillard hit, hit that three-pointer Ooh, to beat OKC yes, and indeed. just wave goodbye. Wave goodbye. <laughs> Yeah. That's the best mic drop. I don't think he can ever be topped by anybody. Wow. <laughs>
2: hey, man, I've, think. Just, I've loved Jimmy Graham since the U and since he was in his Miami days. And Miami has a thing for mm-hmm. turning those tight ends into superstars. And, man, that's just another one of those Jimmy Graham moments. He's had a, he's had a fabulous career. I, I really hope that this isn't the last that we see of Jimmy Graham because he showed this year that he had something left in the tank. And so – just Chicago and Trubisky and the, just the quarterback struggles that they had, this may not have been the best year for him.
0: Hey, he still had 50 receptions, like you said. I mean, he was somebody who had a, a legitimate impact for Chicago. Eight touchdowns. I mean, that's the most Checkdown touchdowns Trubisky, he's had.
2: Trubisky, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's yeah. how he won. <laughs> now,
0: uh, I'm, Rob's got me thinking. I'm trying to think of other... Mic drops, one of which was against my favorite team in the MLB and Major League Baseball was a Jose Bautista bat flip in the ALDS back in, what was that, 2014, 2015? Um, and Jose Bautista had the bat flip where he threw it up in the air. Um, he got punched in the face for that, too, didn't he? He did get punched in the face for that, yeah. thank goodness. Yeah, uh, yeah Ruggie Good Odor came up and stepped up. But I'm trying to think of what are some Cowboys mic drops, if we had any. Um I think Brad Sham had a really good one with the, the move-over sweetness, make place for Emmett call. That was kind of a broadcaster mic drop, even though he didn't necessarily retire after that. But uh, um, well, Rocket
2: Ishmael against uh, then the Washington football team in overtime, uh, Troy Eggman, Rocket, Rocket Ishmael. That may be one. That's a long time ago. That's a good your time. one, though. Yeah. No,
0: I like that. That's a good one. Isaiah, you have a favorite anywhere in there? Could be Cowboys. Could maybe not be. Not like just like sheer walk off. I mean, obviously, I think back
1: to my times in Seattle and watching watching King Griffey Junior. in the Kingdom was it in the, in the playoffs and he hit that dog on uh, inside the oh, marker. Yeah. You know, he, was, yeah, he mm-hmm. was he was rolling. So that was that for me is
2: this big moment. But other than that, man, nothing crazy.
1: That, I mean,
4: yeah,
2: without two. Michael Jordan. Ball. I think Michael Jordan has the best walk off the Gatorade handed. Come on, that's just like you mm-hmm. know, don't get no better than that. So the man. push off on Russell. That
3: what? He escorted. Yeah, but then him the yeah, but then he, he went going. back to. Then he came back again, which that never happened. The <laughs> the the, Wiz- yeah. the wizard years never happened. Yeah, well, what are you talking
0: about, Rob? I, I never yeah. saw any of that. Now, I,
3: I'm trying to think cowboys mic drops, and I can't I can't think of any on the top of my head. Might be a good might be a good uh, list to put together though.
0: Yeah, maybe we maybe we need to look into that. Now we'll, we will get into free agents and things like that. We kind of ran out of time in this show, so I think we might save that for next week to kind of talk about. Which free agents are most likely uh, to go back and forth? Ooh, Douglas just sent me a mic drop on my phone, but I, I'm unable to look at it at the moment. But, uh, I mean, we'll, we're going to look into to coaching staffs and and free agents along the way whenever it comes to the Cowboys' offseason. I mean, there are plenty of guys, especially in that secondary, uh, that could potentially go elsewhere here over the next yeah. couple of months. And, I mean, there's a lot of overturn that's going to happen, especially whenever a new defensive coordinator comes in here. But... I want each of you guys to give me a name. If you had to say one free agent on the defensive side of the football that's staying this year, who would it be? Who would be your number one guy to stay? And we'll start with you, Rob. Oh man, I'm trying to pull up my list. Yeah, no, I need to see minus two.
3: There's a couple of them. Heck, save me, Jordan
2: Lewis. Ah, that's why? There you go. Why? Why is that? Dak, Dak for
0: sure. Well, uh, Dak's not on the defensive side of the football. Uh, no,
2: I know. But Chris just yelled it in my ear, so you know. <laughs> uh, but Jordan Lewis, I, th- I think Jordan Lewis. You know, when you talk about what he can do from the slot position, uh, especially if you give get better safeties, uh, I think he's serviceable. He's a tough guy for his size. I mean, he had that penalty that made him look like a, a knucklehead, but he can make it back from that. Uh, other okay. than that, man, I, I don't see anyone else that I would want to bring back. Um, just skill set wise and what he has in his wheelhouse, that's why I say uh, Jordan Lewis. Okay, that's Robert, a good one. Are you
0: ready
3: down there? Yeah. Who I would want, I would say I'd, I'd bring Alvin Smith back if if I could. Hmm. Uh, we'll see what the what the cap situation is and what uh, he might get on the open market. I don't know if it's going to be a Robert Quinn type situation last year, but I think. I think in terms of a rotation, he can certainly help you. Uh, but I like the Jordan Lewis one. CJ Goodwin, does he count? Because I sure. am definitely, I'm you know, he's played like eight snaps on defense this year, but I am definitely wanting to bring him back to yeah. captain my special teams.
0: Yeah. I would like that
1: as well. Isaiah? Uh, y'all know I'm a Joe Thomas fan. Yeah. I'm a Joe mm-hmm. Thomas fan. I think he's you just are. consistent, man. Yeah, he's, I think he's just consistent. I like guys that you can rely on. You know, I, you know he, you know he's going to be there. He's going to be where he's supposed to be. He's going to play hard. He's going to play fast. He's going to hit you. That's, I mean, that's something that you could, that you could lay your hat on at that position that we may not have been able to do most of this year.
0: Yeah, he doesn't have a high ceiling, but his floor is a little bit higher than I think maybe even Jalen Smith's is uh, whenever it comes to that linebacking position and. Uh, talk about you guys, Mike. <laughs> you know, you guys know how I feel about about that position. No, right we, we don't. Tell us some more. Way, tell man. us, Please, tell yeah. Us no. Do I need to say it wait, with I my don't chest? Want to wait a
1: week to hear this.
0: We say it with my chest. Yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it next week. We'll figure it out next week. But that's gonna do it here for us on Talking Cowboys, presented by Geico. So glad you've been with us here over the last hour. Be sure to join us next Monday, same time, same place, 1130 here on DallasCowboys.com and the various streaming websites. But for Chris Beam, back in studio for Heck Harrison, Rob Phillips, and Isaiah Stanback, I'm Kyle Yeoman saying so long. Thanks for joining us here on Talking Cowboys. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?
1: Yeah!